Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy, listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Oh, yes, and the world pot keeps a bubbling, does it not? Let's see what bubbles I can catch and tell you about today. But first, we're going to continue our series on, shall we say, the intentional deep state progressive and rather treasonous appointments of Barack Obama prior to his current third term in the White House. All of them still doing his bidding, despite the fact he gets to foist it on cadaver, just as he said he would on national TV. That quote is still up on the website for you folks to listen to on therightsideradio.com. And in the last several weeks, we've examined several of Clinton and then Obama and now Biden, but Obama third term, appointees who wield enormous power and take orders directly from Obama and, shall we say, those above him. You know, the name Soros come to mind, amongst others. We've talked about Susan Rice and Jack Sullivan and Samantha Powers. And today we're going to talk about James Comey, the former FBI director, and Christopher Wray, the current FBI director. And then, of course, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story about those two gentlemen. But in this case, the rest of the story will kind of encompass the two of them. You'll see what I mean. First, I want to welcome yet another big metropolitan AM radio station to the On the Right Side radio fold. Kixie, the mighty Kixie, 50,000 watts, K-I-X-I, 880 AM in Seattle, Washington. You can hear us every Saturday, 7 to 8 a.m. on Kixie, and welcome to the fold, Seattle. I'm sure the woke folks up in your northwest neck of the woods will just love this program. (laughs) Oh, well. And how about the founder's quote? You know, last week I talked about the fact that policy is made by people, not by government. And policy is not enforced by government. It is enforced by people in the government getting it to do its bidding using your tax dollars, I might add. So I think this quote from John Adams is particularly apropos to that theme. Quote, There is danger from all men. The only maxim of a free government ought to be to trust no man living with power to endanger the public liberty. Unquote. And how about a rant story this week? You know, I kind of like those and I get lots of emails and you folks like them too because they do kind of tell a story. They bring everything down to earth, back to the land, no pun intended. Something that's real and constant, unlike the mercurial world that we're living in right now, which resembles more of a matrix than reality. So at the end of our pivot field, our ranch road kind of takes a curve after it comes over the creek and a little bridge. And that field is open, and the prevailing winds, believe it or not, are usually from the southwest in this valley. And the pivot field is obviously a wide, open expanse, so snow accumulates there, and then wind, you know, the Wyoming wind. Well, Wyoming doesn't really have wind. Wind is when the rocks move. (laughs) Everything else is just a breeze. But in a strong Wyoming breeze, we get incredible drifts across that corner of the road all the way out to the bridge, about 60, 70 feet of them. And they can get five, six, seven, eight feet high. In fact, this huge storm that we had, I think it was March three years ago, six feet of snow in 36 hours, there was probably a 15-foot drift down there. Needless to say, 
That requires a lot of time to clear. And you can't go in and out of the ranch unless you do. And you have bobcats and you have all sorts of other equipment rather than just using the snowplow, which works well in most instances on the road. So my lieutenant came up with an idea to build a snow drift fence. And those of you who have driven the western highways have seen these along the highways. They're these really large, like almost 10 feet high, kind of slatted fences. They look like they've just been perched kind of without thought here and there along highways and hills and corners. That's to stop snow from drifting across the road to make it easier for the plow crews. So we figured we'd employ the same kind of logic. And we took some jacks, you know, the jack lake fences. I told you about them last week. And a lot of people liked that rant story, by the way, last week. And we got ourselves some kind of rough sawn lumber and tacked slats across six different jack legs. So it's about, oh, I don't know, 50 feet long or so kind of in six sections, which we can move pretty easily with the reach lift, so it's kind of handy. And if it works, we can easily unscrew each end and then move sections of fence to be stored over the summer and then be put back in place for next winter. But we don't know how it's going to work. It's a complete mystery. In fact, I'm kind of anxious to see what happens. What is the result of this experiment? And I'll report to you in the spring or maybe sometime during the winter when it either obviously is successful or obviously fails. But the moral of this story is you never never know until you try. The only horse you will never ride is the one you don't throw the saddle on. And that's kind of apropos because we obviously need some really big changes in our government and particularly in the people who are running the government, the people who are making and causing the government to enforce those horrible policies. By the way, many of them in contravention of law, which ties in perfectly <laughs> to where we're going today about James Comey and Christopher Ray, the heads of the FBI, you know, the folks in charge with enforcing the laws that are on the books. So let's start with James Comey. Comey was born in Yonkers, New York. Irish descent. He did his undergraduate work at the College of William and Mary in 1982, majored, by the way, in chemistry and religion. And he received his JD, his law degree, from the University of Chicago. Hmm. Who else was associated with the University of Chicago? Oh, that's right. The University of Chicago and Columbia. Barack Obama. After law school, Comey clerked for the United States District Judge John M. Walker Jr., who I believe was a Clinton appointee, then worked for Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher, a very large law firm in New York. Interestingly enough, after private practice, Comey was managing assistant U.S. attorney in charge of the Richmond Division of the United States Attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia. And there he served as deputy special counsel to the Senate Whitewater Committee. You remember the Whitewater scandal? The Clintons, Arkansas, people getting killed, bribes, extortion, you know, all that kind of good typical Hillary Clinton stuff. But of course, Hillary and Bill weren't prosecuted. And it would seem to me that during the course of this, our friend Mr. Comey became acquainted with Hillary Clinton. And then he moved to United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York. Now, this is one of the most prestigious, in terms of the deep state think and thought patterns, one of the most prestigious positions in the U.S. Attorney's field, if you were, out there in the United States. And tell me, which southern district or which district for the U.S. Attorney's Office in the United States has done more to go after Trump than virtually any other, in fact, is investigating him right now and assisting state prosecutions of Trump in New York. That's right, the southern district of New York. He moved up to the Justice Department as Deputy Attorney General in 2003, and Comey was the guy who appointed the special prosecutor, whose name was Patrick Fitzgerald, 
to head the grand jury investigation into the Plame affair. Do you remember what that was? Do you remember the deep state leaked out the names of CIA operatives? I mean, it was a huge scandal back then. This, by the way, was during the era of the Bush administration. And George Bush, although he did some things right, is a globalist at heart. He really is kind of a a child of the deep state, shall we say? And interestingly enough, and remember this in the rest of the story, Comey and other Justice Department officials refused in 2006 to certify the legality of certain aspects of the National Security Agency, the NSA program, you know, surveillance program. The DOJ, under William Ashcraft, the Attorney General under Bush, had issued a finding that the domestic wiretapping under the Terrorist Surveillance Program, the TSP, was unconstitutional if there wasn't a court warrant. Remember all this in the rest of the story, folks. And in early March of 2004, as all this was bubbling around, Robert S. Mueller, who was the FBI head at the time, and Comey had prepared their resignations, just in case the White House overruled the DOJ's finding that the program was unconstitutional. And then Mueller retired. Of course, he didn't really retire, did he? He came back and did the... the whole failed Trump-Russia collusion investigation. And in June of 2013, President Barack Obama, our friend Barry, officially nominated Comey to head the FBI, replacing Mueller. Comey was confirmed by the Senate. His 10-year term, that's the term of an FBI director, began on September 4th, 2013. And during his tenure, many things happened at the FBI. First of all, he kind of spearheaded the agency's so-called investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. Remember all that? And her obliteration of 33,000 emails and the use of BleachBit, you know, that software program which completely wipes computers clean and the pounding into dust of cell phones so that <laughs> their, their records couldn't be transcribed or entered into. And you might remember that press conference, that famous press conference of his right before the election in 2016, where he, I watched it. Literally, he went down all the things that she had done. And I'm waiting for him to say, and you know, the indictment or the grand jury or whatever. And at the end he goes, but you know, she didn't really do anything wrong. I mean, she had some bad judgment, but it's nothing that a prosecutor could really follow. I mean, I about fell out of my chair, as did most of the rest of the country. Do you remember in March of 2017, Trump accused Obama of wiretapping his telephones during the presidential race? Well, it was Comey who dismissed these allegations by Trump. And of course, as we now know, folks, his phones were wiretapped. Under the very Surveillance Act, which Comey and Mueller and others were getting to the rest of the story, said was unconstitutional without a warrant. And those were called, of course, FISA warrants. But I guess their unconstitutional way of thought didn't extend to falsifying FISA warrants. In other words, they didn't say the warrants had to be true and correct. You just had to have a warrant. And if you didn't have the grounds for a warrant, you just make up the grounds, which Comey did. In fact, he personally signed, I believe, at least two. It might have been three, along with others, of the FISA warrants in the failed and rather transparent Trump-Russia collusion case, which went nowhere and was in the end, totally debunked. And of course, Comey was present at the January 5th, 2017 meeting at the White House with, that's right, Joe Biden, now President Cadaver, and then President and now President Barack Obama, and Susan Rice, who we discussed two weeks ago, and Clapper from the NSA, whom we'll be discussing as we conclude this series over the next two weeks on Obama's plants. It's interesting to note that Comey never mentioned that meeting. In fact, denied what the discussions were when questioned under oath in Congress. But shortly after his termination by Trump in 2017, it appears that he had a 
buddy of his, a professor, you might remember this also, write a detailed memo of his confidential communications as FBI director with the President of the United States several months earlier. And he later admitted on national TV that he did the leak intentionally because he wanted to prompt the FBI, which he knew he was now not part of, to appoint a special counsel to investigate the Trump-Russia collusion, which he had known all along, folks, going back to 2016, was absolute bunk, was based on a dossier prepared by his buddy Hillary Clinton using her campaign funds, and on which he illegally, and in my opinion, with treason, signed FISA warrants to surveil the then-presidential candidate and later the president of the United States, Donald Trump. And, of course, a special counsel was appointed. And who was that? Oh, that's right. It was his former boss at the FBI, Robert Mueller, who, after spending almost $40 million of taxpayer dollars, wasting the country's time for more than a year, and distracting the country from other far more pressing matters, found a big goose egg. Zero. In fact, found that the whole thing was a farce. And that was with a staff, by the way, of rabid Democratic Marxist progressive investigating attorneys. Comey became very quiet. And what you may not know is he wrote two books after that, hoping to capitalize, you know, on all that press he got. The first was published in 2018, and it was laughably called A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership. And in it, he gave us his true thoughts about Trump, calling him, quote, unethical and untethered to the truth. Unquote. Oh, yes. Do you remember the progressive mantra, folks? Saul Alinsky's rule for radicals. They followed to the T. Deny, deny, deny. Divert, divert, divert. And in the end, turn the accusation around on the accuser. In other words, accuse them of doing exactly what you've been doing. And then he released a second book, which didn't do too well. This is not too bad. Saving Justice. <laughs> okay. Truth, Transparency, and Trust. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not recommending that you read either. That's totally up to you. By the way, along the lines, Horowitz, the inspector general for the Justice Department, found that Comey had violated all sorts of FBI policies, rules, regulations, and to some extent, the law in the way he conducted his quote-unquote investigation into Trump, in the way he obtained the FISA warrants, and in the way he did not back off the investigation when it became absolutely apparent that the Russian dossier on which it was based was a political contrivance and false and paid for by one of the presidential candidates, namely Hillary Clinton. Which brings us to Christopher Wray, the current FBI director. So, Chris Wray was born in New York City, December 1966. Wray went to a private academy, Phillips Academy in Massachusetts, You know, that bastion of red thought. And then Ray went on to, oh, wow, Yale University. Remember our friends Samantha Powers and Susan Rice and, you know, Yale and Harvard and Columbia and Chicago. Hmm. I don't know about those universities, folks. I hope none of you are wasting your hard-earned dollars sending your kids to them. And he got his JD there. And then he clerked for Judge Michael Ludick of the United States Courts of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit. Why don't we just say Ludick is not a conservative? He then went into private practice at the law firm of King and Spaulding in Atlanta, and then became assistant U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia. Gee, where are one of those prosecutions of Trump occurring? Oh, that's right, Georgia. Well, maybe that's just a coincidence. What do you think? In 2003, he was appointed by Mueller. Oh, well, some linkage here. He was 36 years old. He became the youngest ever to take charge of the DOJ, the Department of Justice's criminal division, as an assistant attorney general. Remember, 
we're coming to the rest of the story. In 2005, Ray returned to that private practice, King and Spaulding, in Georgia. And along the way, his clients included high-powered big corporations. I think we all know what the deep state is comprised of, right? It's that component of the government which kind of perpetuates itself, runs amok over civil liberties, ignores the law and the Constitution, shall we say, seeks conflict rather than peace, and who is tied in a truly fascist way to big corporations and big piles of money around the globe and particularly here in the United States. It's interesting that Ray, at the return position at King and Spaulding, was leading its special matters government and internal investigations practices, where he met all the big players in healthcare, energy, and telecommunications companies. And then what's really interesting is that Ray took charge of efforts to defend New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Remember all this? Amid the scandal of what was called Bridgegate, I'm sure you remember. The governor was accused of closing several crowded entrance lanes to George Washington as kind of a political payback. Christie, by the way, escaped charges. Several of his henchmen went to prison. A month after Trump fired Comey, Trump announced on June 7th his intention to nominate Ray as the replacement. And by the way, to get a little bit ahead of ourselves and part of the rest of the story, that recommendation was made by Chris Christie, who, you know, let's face it, folks, I mean, he he's humorous to watch at times, but I would not call him the staunchest conservative in the cigar-filled room. Interestingly, at his confirmation hearing when he was asked what he thought of the Russia collusion thing, remember, it had pretty much long ended, Mueller's investigation was going nowhere, we had found out all there was to know about the FISA warrants, etc., because of Comey's, uh, shall we say, indiscretions, treasonous indiscretions, which had now come to light. He answered the question of, do you regard this Russia investigation as regards to Trump as a witch hunt, as a justified investigation? Nonetheless, he was overwhelmingly approved by the Senate, which tells you about some of the Republicans in the Senate. And during that confirmation hearing, by the way, Here's a great quote of his, quote, I will never allow the FBI's work to be driven by anything other than the facts, the law, and the impartial pursuit of justice, period, unquote. And then, of course, shortly after his appointment came the famous Devin Nunes memo in 2018, which began to peel back the onion of this mysterious dossier and the fact that it was commissioned by the Democratic Party and Hillary, our friend Hillary. And Ray fought against the release of that memo when it came out, saying it would, you know, undermine national security. Along the way in his tenure, Ray has identified China as the main threat to America. But he's identified Russia as the main threat to America's elections. Ray testified to Congress that, quote, non-traditional collectors, which, by the way, are professors, scientists, students, etc., who are Chinese nationals, are, quote, exploiting the very open research and development environment that we have. And this is a risk, quote, as not just a whole-of-government threat, but a whole-of-society threat, unquote. I'll remind you that when Cadaver, under Obama's direction, about a year or so ago, I brought you the story, disbanded the entire section of the FBI that was devoted to Chinese espionage in the United States. He just disbanded it, stopped all the investigations, and poof, it went away. I guess he got another big check from Hunter and the Chinese. But you know, I've searched, and I can't find Ray saying a word about that, taking a part of the investigative and research arm of the FBI, which was specifically tailored to combat Chinese espionage. Isn't that curious, given his testimony? And then in December of 2019, Ray was interviewed by ABC News, and this is right after the release of the DOJ Inspector General's report on the origins of the Russia investigation, which we talked about just a little bit 
in the context of our friend Mr. Comey, you know, that seeker of truth and justice and equitable administration of justice. By the way, about those Chinese things, you know, prior to the whole Chinese investigation unit being dismantled at Biden Obama's request. This was a quote from Ray in front of Congress. The FBI is now opening a new China-related counterintelligence case every 10 hours. Of the nearly 5,000 active counterintelligence cases currently underway across the country, almost half are related to China, unquote. On March 2, 2021, Ray testified in further Senate hearings. And he called the assault on the U.S. Capitol and those who perpetrated it a case of domestic terrorism. And in February of 2023, about two years after the information came out, and by the way, almost three years after On the Right Side Radio gave you the information, Ray admitted that, you know, this virus could have come from the lab at Wuhan, although it was an unintentional leak. And along the way, his FBI interfered with the Hunter Biden investigation. Remember all that? They refused to give up the laptop. They're being sued in all sorts of ways for FOIA information right now related to that. They refused to refer for prosecution. I can go on and on and on. And currently, Ray's FBI is impeding Congress's investigation into the Biden family, particularly cadaver, acceptance of bribes from foreign governments for foreign influence, which I would define as treason. He just doesn't want to release documents and, you know, it could undermine national security and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This was the gentleman who testified at his confirmation that, you know, equal justice for all, and that was his mission. And it's under Ray's FBI, too, all you parents out there, that you were put under surveillance by the FBI, in some cases, by the way, using the same surveillance techniques which he so righteously, along with Mueller, etc., said were just not constitutional without a warrant, blah, 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 back there in 2004 through 2006. And you were labeled for going to your school board and complaining about curriculum and textbooks and teachers' bias and lack of education that your kids were getting as domestic terrorists, which has become one of the new favorite terms of Ray's FBI. I guess China is no longer a problem, folks. Russia has dwindled in its capacity to interfere with elections, and the real enemies are people who support Trump and go to PTA and school board meetings. Which brings me to the rest of the story on our friends Comey and Ray. So back there in 2004 when Mueller and Comey threatened George Bush with resignation if he forced them to, you know, uh, do this unconstitutional surveillance thing without a warrant, guess who joined them in the threat of resignation? Oh, that's right, Mr. Ray. In fact, he told Comey in front of other people in the hallway of the FBI building, quote, look, I don't know what's going on, but before you guys all pull the ripcords, please give me a heads up so I can jump with you, unquote. And we come to find out that Ray worked with Comey hmm. for two years at the Justice Department. They worked together on such matters as the AOL case, which was a fraud case, and the Enron Task Force. And interestingly, despite their stand against this unconstitutional domestic surveillance in 20, 2004 to 2006, Ray testified in October of 2023, I think that's just a month ago, that the Patriot Act, which allows for all this stuff, played a major role in the government's success at stopping terrorists. And he also supported the, the successor to the Patriot Act, which is called the USA Freedom Act. And indeed, in 2005, Comey and Ray worked together on the indictment of three British nationals who were accused of planning a terrorist attack. 
I mean, good for him in stopping terrorist attacks. But, you know, I think we can see the relationship between Obama and Mueller and Comey and Ray and others. And, of course, in the case of Comey and Ray with Hillary Clinton and, therefore, the Democratic National Committee. So, once again, we see the same pattern developing here with Obama's appointees or the appointees, the successor appointees of Obama's appointees, i.e. Christopher Ray after Obama appointed Comey. Next week, we're going to dive into Eric Holder. You'll say, what are you talking about? I thought he retired. I thought he was gone from the government. Oh, you think so? This is the guy who described himself as the wingman of Barack Obama. And Barack Obama agreed, by the way. And you don't think a good wingman is going to leave his lead pilot flying solo in his third presidential term, do you? No, he's not. Next week, we'll go into that. And next week, we're also going to investigate George Soros, who, while not directly involved in the government, is, in fact, directly involved in the government with puppet strings, manipulations, billions of dollars, and undue influence and access to all the aforenamed players we've been reviewing for the last several weeks, i.e. the spider web, at the center of which is the treasonous spider, Barack Obama himself. And now let's get into some rat-a-tat-tat, shall we? Because we got a bunch to cover, as always. With a little continuation here of our friends Mr. Ray and Mr. Comey and the upper echelons, not the rank and file, but the upper echelons of the FBI. You know where Obama inserted his people, or his people inserted his people, like in a secondary sense. So Judicial Watch and those guys rock. Give them some money. JudicialWatch.org. They do more than just about anybody. They filed a Freedom of Information Act FOIA lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Justice and the FBI for records of all the payments that FBI made to Twitter, now known as X. And the link of the lawsuit is on the website, rat-a-tat-tat, as are the links to all the various articles I'm going to talk to you about very briefly today. And some emails came out in the Twitter files. The FBI paid $3.5 million of yours and my tax money to Twitter as, quote, reimbursement for the time spent processing requests, i.e., you know, censorship, from the FBI from October 2019 to February 2021. In other words, they were gearing it up before the election and before COVID. Huh. Judicial Watch also sued the FBI for documents alleging the Biden bribery scheme, which Director Ray has been withholding from Congress and from others, despite subpoenas, I might add. And Judicial Watch also sued the FBI for records of the Biden big tech censorship collusion. You know, that lawsuit that's bubbling its way to the Supreme Court. I told you about that last week. And of course, the censorship, which was completely denied by the FBI and the government and the whole nine yards. And there it was in your face when Elon Musk released the files. Now let's talk quickly about some economic info because, you know, it's not just the FBI and the NSA and the CIA. It's like every level of government is not telling us the truth about anything, including the economy. You know, all this rah, 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 rah about the stock market and the GDP, which they'll revise downwards by who knows how much. Six months from now, uh, when nobody's looking, just as they do with all the stats that have been coming out the last two years. Here's some real stats for you. The leading economic index. It has now declined 18 months in a row. It has never failed to predict a recession. And we're not talking about 18 months of decline prediction. Much shorter than that. Despite all the mainstream media talking about NASDAQ being up and, you know, NVIDIA and all this kind of stuff, the NASDAQ's being driven by seven stocks. The other indexes, the Russell 2000, which is small cap companies, down 30%. The S&P, down 10%. 
Long-term bonds, remember, the higher an interest rate, the less the value of the bond. The lower the interest rate, the more the value of the bond instrument. Long-term bonds have now lost 45% of their value since 2021. It's the third year, never happened before, not since the formation of the country, the Declaration of Independence in 1776, three years in a row of bonds losing value. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment, because this is a really big deal. I mean, if there is a problem in the bond market, we have an incredible problem. I'll tell you more about it in just a second. There's a lot of things I'm going to warn you right now, and I hope I'm wrong, but it needs to be on your radar. There's a lot of things that line up for February, March, and April of next year. I mean, a lot of economic lines converging in the not-so-great economic hell, not the economic heaven. First of all, the deal that the Fed did to bail out all the banks and depositors back when Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank went down. In other words, the Fed bought these bonds, which had gone way down in value, like I just told you, which wrecked the bank's balance sheet, put some of them underwater. The Fed bought their bonds, and the banks have to buy them back now at face value, not not today's value, face value, plus interest on the Fed's purchase for the last year in March. The ERC, you know, those Payments that were made to employers who kept employees on during COVID, up to $28,000 per employee, they're ending. They're tapering off in like late December, early January. No more of that money, which by the way amounted to $230 billion going to companies, mostly small companies, around the United States over the last year plus. No more of that money's going out the door. Most economists, I told you this last week, expect that household savings accounts, which were built up with all the free money, except that nothing's free, during the COVID stimulus, the uh, the buy vote plan of the Obama cabal is basically petering out between now and the end of the year. There's 1.8 trillion, that's trillion dollars, in federal bonds that need to be refinanced by the Fed, by the Treasury, in 2024. In fact, over the next several years, the $9 trillion that was added to the balance sheet, or should I say to the debt tally of the United States, one and the same, from $17 trillion to $26 trillion is going to have to be refinanced by the Treasury. For the very first time, junk bonds, that is, you know, kind of low credit, high-risk bonds, now exceed AAA bonds, AAA corporate debt. $6.1 trillion in junk debt as opposed to $5 trillion in AAA debt. Also in March, the $1.2 trillion kind of Federal Reserve Reserve, you know, the reserve cash, it's called the reverse repos, that will all be gone. That all goes away in March. And in the fourth quarter of this year, the Treasury needs to sell $748 billion in bonds to finance just this coming quarter's deficit. Do you hear what I'm saying? In the first quarter, which of course ends in March, they have to finance $816 billion in bonds for the projected deficit in that quarter. And this is before all the Israeli stuff happened and all the Mideast stuff and two carrier groups and uh, Biden's request for, you know, X amount of dollars for his corrupt buddy Zelensky over there in Ukraine, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. And of course, the 2 million plus illegal aliens flooding the border, never mind the terror threat. By the way, as a quick aside off the economic stuff. They have now released new figures just in the last few days. All the numbers I gave you about the folks on the terrorist watch list that have been intercepted, and I gave you the stats and the math, etc., over the last several weeks, those that haven't been intercepted are exponentially 
roughly nine times more than the ones that are. It's now up to like 1,200 intercepts of people on the terrorist watch list. What's even more concerning, over the last month, guess where these people are from predominantly? That's right, Mideast and Iran. This must be just a coincidence. We have nothing to worry about here, and our government is concerned about our safety and the stability of the United States infrastructure and population, folks. The first thing they think about when they get up in the morning. Back to economics. I want you to understand that the bond market is the key to the entire financial markets of the United States. And in fact, the United States bond market is the key to the financial stability of the world, which means unless the world is going to collapse, if there's no buyers of these bonds, and there's far fewer than there have been, Japan and China and other countries are dumping United States bonds. They're not buying them. The Treasury's having a hell of a time peddling bonds to foreign countries since we shot ourselves in the foot, probably intentionally, by stealing Russia's money and nobody trusts us to hold their money for them anymore. The weaponization of the dollar. If the Fed does have to step in and it has to buy bonds because nobody else is buying bonds, it has to print money to do that. Ballooning our national debt, inflation goes crazy, and interest rates, long-term interest rates, which are now at the highest level in like 40 years on 10-year bonds and 7-year bonds, what they call long-term bonds, 30-year bonds, is going to go through the roof. The Fed has basically lost control of interest rates in the long-term bond market. The only thing it has any shtick on right now is interest rates in the short-term bond market. You know, one month, three month, two month, one year treasury bills. The ones that are paying 5%, 5 5.25% right now. This is a really big deal. I mean, I can't tell you how big a deal this is. And there's a lot of things which are unpleasant that converge in the first quarter, particularly either side or in March. I'm going to keep an eagle eye on this for you because you need to stay informed. And since this series that I'm doing, the historical series, telling you about Obama's appointees, his treasonous cabal. Remember the Cloward and Piven theory. You bring down a government, you bring down capitalism by overburdening it with entitlements. So Barack Obama has overburdened us with debt. Joe Biden, Barack Obama's third term, has overburdened us with debt. Joe Biden, Barack Obama's third term, has let somewhere between 7 and 10 million illegal aliens in this country. By the way, each one of them, or many of them, are getting $2,200 a month of United States taxpayer money and free cell phones, and we're paying for their lodging, whether it's state, local, or federal governments, at an estimated and I guarantee you it's low, $160 billion a year now. And then, of course, we've sent the money to Ukraine, $130 billion. Now we're sending money to Israel, which, by the way, I support. And then we waste money on non-productive endeavors like DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and ESG, and transgender nonsense. This is deliberate. This is not an accident. And in the meantime, all their oligarch buddies, their donor class, gets wealthier and wealthier. This is the ripoff of human civilization going on right now. And it's intentional, and it's designed to fundamentally change, I'll use Barry's own words, the United States of America and the world. And unfortunately, over there in Israel and Gaza, things are heating up. Israel's getting drawn deeper and deeper into the trap, which I am ever more convinced has been laid for Netanyahu and Israel and the Israeli people by Barack Obama, who hates Israel and hates Netanyahu and loves Iran. 
And I am very concerned that despite the pretended show of force over there by the American military, that we're not going to do what it takes when the time comes. We're going to stab Israel in the back and leave them high and dry. And I think that was the plan all along. As always, very cleverly and deviously constructed. We'll see if I'm right. I hope I'm not. And speaking of wartime, Ukraine. You know, Time magazine just came out with an article on Ukraine. And Reuters did a survey on Ukraine of the American people. It seems that only 41% of Americans want Congress to keep funding and providing weapons to Kiev, particularly when those weapons are showing up in the hands of Hamas and Hezbollah. And don't think that's an accident. Remember Barry's pass-through of arms to Al-Qaeda and the result in Benghazi where an ambassador who was the facilitator, lost his life. Once again, I don't think it was an accident. And that 41% that still supports the Ukraine war is down from 65% in June. And Time, and you know, I'm not a big fan of Time magazine. I mean, it's mainstream media. But remember, mainstream media has been all rah-rah about Ukraine. So this is a really interesting article. Time had a correspondent over there. Zelensky came to the United States. I don't even know if you know that. It was barely covered. Virtually no representatives in Congress or the Senate would meet with him. He wasn't allowed to give his usual address to Congress, and he went back to Ukraine. A correspondent from Time went with him, and the correspondent found out that the draft offices of the Ukrainian army had basically shut down because Zelensky fired the top guy who ran all the conscription services for Ukraine. And it was shut down because it was found that the conscription officers were taking bribes to not draft people. Gee, uh, Ukraine has never had any corruption. What am I thinking about? And supposedly this time guy asked a guy close to Zelensky, one of his presidential advisors, who said he would only speak if it was off the record, and made the reporter turn off his mic, quote, people are stealing like there's no tomorrow, unquote. And he supposedly talked to another aide, a direct aide of Zelensky, and he was told, quote, even if the U.S. and its allies come through with all the weapons they have pledged, we don't have the men to use them, unquote. Along military lines also, and this will get us into some COVID information, which is not pleasant. The Marines' top general. Oh, this is great timing. Ha, another coincidence, right? General Smith, excellent commander, by the way. He has suddenly been hospitalized after a quote-unquote medical emergency. Gee, where have we heard that before? You know, all these stars and TV anchors and radio personalities and athletes and all this kind of stuff. They all seem to be having these medical emergencies. You know, young, fit, previously 100% healthy. Let's see, what's the common denominator here? Oh, that's right. That safe and effective jab deal. You know, I was jumping up and down when the military illegally mandated those jabs for the entire armed forces of the United States. Who knows how many soldiers have been hurt, crippled, killed, who knows, by the jab. But now we have one of our top commanders that's gone down. And interestingly enough, his family is telling the press that they want some privacy. In other words, the general is in such bad shape that he can't speak for himself. The family has to speak for him. This is not good timing on this and, of course, it is terrible for the general no matter what timing it is. He also happens to be a key member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. One of these days, I'm going to bring you 10 minutes, and it's just a dent, of all the top names, and you'll recognize them, that have gone down because of jabs. Just in the last few months, thousands of people, I'm talking about celebrity class people, have bitten the dust or come close to biting the dust. All with kind of the same symptoms. All termed as a medical emergencies. All according to the doctors in the CDC, having nothing to do with the jab, we just don't know what the cause is. And by the way, you folks that are listening to me who unfortunately took the jab 
for whatever reasons you did, I'm not castigating you, but you need to get on one of the protocols. It's on the COVID page on our website, Mercola, Zelensky, McCullough, any of those. The wellness group, they all have excellent protocols for hopefully helping yourself detox from the poison that was in that jab. And if some of you don't want to listen to me anymore because, gee, you had the jab and you think it's great and you're going to go out and get the next one, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, whatever one they're going to throw at you to try and get Pfizer's failing balance sheet back up off the floor, well, there's nothing I can do about that. That's your decision. I'm not your doctor. I'm not a medical professional. But I can read the stats. I can read the studies. And I can see the games that are being played at the government level and at the big pharma level. And they are tied at the hip, folks. By the way, the Washington Post tried to cover General Smith's collapse. They talked about that in recent weeks. He was working hours that were not sustainable. Oh, and also the paper said that it could have been a bad case of sunstroke during the hellish temperatures, (laughs) which, by the way, were 80 degrees. Along those same lines, corruption, treason, Obama, and cabal. Finally, there's a judge in Texas that ordered the border agents of the United States to stop cutting the defensive structures being erected by Texas. The judge is Aliyah Moses, the Western District of Texas, United States District, which was brought by Texas's outstanding Attorney General Ken Paxton, who the rhinos down there almost got impeached just a few months ago. I brought you the story. And last week, Texas lawmakers passed a law criminalizing illegal border crossing. Well, it's a criminal act under federal law, but it's not being enforced. So local police, in addition to state police and and the Texas National Guard, which is on the border now. It allows local police to arrest migrants for breaking the law. And then back to Israel and Iran, because remember, I told you last week, and I'll tell you again, the problem is not Hezbollah. The problem is not Hamas. The problem is not the Houthis who are now firing off uh, rockets from Yemen. The problem is, and the problem has always been, Iran. And just to refresh your memory, Barry Obama has been Iran's biggest supporter. And to give you further news... Biden slash Obama's third term, even though supposedly there are sanctions against Iran, did you know that they've been looking the other way? This news just came out this week. And Iran has been shipping oil all over the place. To hell with the sanctions. Because in the end, folks, I'll make this really simple. Barry really likes Iran and he really hates Israel. This is not shaping up to be a good thing. And by the way, Biden sent Congress a war powers notification saying that we have to take responsive action. Deterrence, you know, deterrence. Because the militias, not the Iranian militias, which is exactly what they are, but the militias are making attacks on U.S. military bases. 30 servicemen injured, one killed so far. By the way, there's a really, really great YouTube. And you know, it was true then, back during the Iranian hostage crisis, and it's true now. It was done in 1976. I'm going to see if I can find it for you. Oh, here it is. You can look it up yourselves. YouTube, Vince Vance and the Valiants, Bomb Iran. It's only 2 minutes and 34 seconds long. It was done in 1976. Well, wasn't Vince prescient? And there's some really good news. And I've told you folks for two years, I think in five years, Pfizer and Moderna won't exist. I think there's going to be a lot of people in jail. God only knows how much taxpayer money is going to be spent paying damages for mandates by the federal government and by the military on an unproven and untested emergency use authorization drug that was never approved as a drug that's been since taken off the market and is wrecking havoc on the world population. And the mandates were ruled to be illegal. So not only did you have a fraud, it was never a vaccine. Not only did you not have informed consent, this is the bad effects it could have. And they knew what many, not all, 
of those bad effects were before it was deployed. But then you had companies and you had the United States, you had other state and local governments mandating this horrible injection for a disease which had a 99.6% survival rate, which is better than the flu, which is somewhere in the 97.5 rate. And here's the good news. The first lawsuit's now been filed. There's lawsuits getting filed all around the world on all sorts of things involved with this, and I told you that was going to happen. There's going to be trillions of dollars paid out in these lawsuits. Quote, federal contractor vaccine mandate lawsuit. It's the first one, folks. I'll have a link for it for you on the website next week, also under COVID litigation page and the COVID page. And once again, if you have a claim, bring it, folks. It is time to hold the people, the government, the crooks, and the treasonous folks accountable. We're out of time. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Remember, look in the mirror, repeat after me, and repeat it with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. Oh, yes, we will. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the right side.